A scripture reading is taken from Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb. For terror and amazement has seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The word of the Lord. We welcome you again on our Easter Sunday morning. Glad that you are here, and we trust that uh, the service indeed will be a blessing and an encouragement um, in your faith as we journey together as a community here at Weston Park Baptist Church. We're calling this uh, sermon, Who Will Roll the Stone Away? And it's based on the text in Mark 16, uh, verses 1 to 8. So it's, it's a kind of an interesting ending. That's why there are a number of endings uh, to this book, because it's a little bit unsure. But scholars do know that verses 1 to 8, for sure, are part of the original text. So we're kind of staying with that for today. Uh, but it ends suddenly, it ends with a bit of a surprise. So someone has written here, Williamson, when is ending not the end? His response, when a dead man rises from the tomb and when a gospel ends in the middle of a sentence. So it kind of piques our interest as we, as we start. So it comes... Uh, to a climactic uh, revelation, the story. It, it races, Mark moves very quickly and it races to this ending, obviously with the resurrection of Jesus. So we want to uh, go there, but we'll just kind of retrace the steps a little bit uh, leading up to the event. So the text begins, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? So if we just think back, remember that Christ was crucified on Friday afternoon, and there was a rush, really, at the end uh, from the Jewish leaders because they want to get Christ's body down from the cross and into the tomb uh, before the Sabbath begins. Sabbath begins at sundown on the Friday night. And so the clock is ticking, if you like. 
And so when they know that Christ indeed has passed away, they quickly take his body and put him in uh, the tomb that Joseph of Arimathea had for himself. Uh, but it all happens quickly, and so the <clears throat> regular anointing that would take place for someone who has died didn't take place. And so he's put away quickly because of the Sabbath coming. <clears throat> so we can just imagine that for many, and particularly for the friends of Christ and for uh, the women who were part of the entourage of Jesus, they, I mean, they, this is just a terrible uh, lack of, goodness and justice that this would take place. And, and so there's a real <clears throat> hunger to yearning to make this right. And so they have in mind that, well, as soon as they can, they will go to the tomb and, and treat Jesus' body properly so that he will have been anointed uh, in this ex experience, his body, his corpse. And so they're thinking this way. So on Saturday evening then, when the Sabbath is over, the sun goes down at six, the Sabbath is over. They, they go, the women, these three women who are listed go to the market and just very carefully pick the various spices. Just imagine these big sacks full of different colored spices, red and orange, brown. And they go around and they pick very carefully. It would be quite a reverence scene, a hush scene probably, as they go about and prepare themselves. And the plan is the following morning, which would be the Sunday, the third day, they would meet early and they would go to the tomb where Christ had been laid um, to anoint his body. So that, that's the scene that's, that's going on. So there's preparation for the anointing. And so then on the way, it, the question does come up, and they've probably discussed this beforehand, but the issue is, well, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? We see that in verse 3. Well, well, who will do this? And it's, the, the tombs are above ground, necropolis, and uh, the rock is hard, so they, they, they can't dig down into it. Typically, they dig into it from the side, carve out a space, and then they roll a big stone in place on, on a niche that would cover the tomb. So they're asking themselves then, well, who will roll away this stone? <clears throat> That's the discussion as they make their way. They know where he has been laid. They've seen that already. And so if we just pause there for a moment, we, we can think in terms of our own lives, perhaps, you know, what are the blocks or the resistors that hem us in? Um, maybe what are the stones that block our way? Or even so, what are the tombs that we are in that we feel bound by? And so perhaps it can be failure, perhaps it can be depression, some level of ennui, Broken relationships, you know, a job that we, we just hate at this point. I mean, whatever that might be, stones that block our way, tombs that we feel we are in, and we also are asking the question, well, who will roll away the stone for us? Who will roll away the stone that I've been dealing with for so many years? 
So that may be perhaps where you were at, maybe not. The women are certainly discussing it, thinking about it. And I think it's, it's worth for us considering what might this Easter Sunday say to us in terms of the ways that we feel hedged in. So they are on the way, they're making this discussion. So they reach the tomb. <clears throat> and when they reach the tomb, it's surprisingly, they find that the stone has already been moved. And they don't know how, but there it is. The stone is moved and they, the tomb door is empty, if you like, and they <clears throat> go right into the tomb. Remember the disciples at, a, at another point in one of the Gospels, they're, they're hesitant to go in. Well, the women go in and they see a young man, we're told, dressed in white, sitting at uh, the side of the <clears throat> stone where Christ would have been laid. And, and the, apart from him, the place is empty and, and they are alarmed, we're told. They're full of fear. And it's interesting that they already <clears throat> are still thinking about Christ and his body and where he might be. They haven't jumped to the resurrection yet. They're, they're not anywhere near that. They are alarmed by the stone being moved and coming in and now seeing this young man dressed in white sitting where the body would have been. And they are afraid. Just as the disciples had been afraid. Peter had denied Christ three times, excuse me. <coughs> they were all afraid. They all denied Jesus and fled away and, and didn't want anything to do with it, so fear. And now the women are still carrying a measure of fear themselves as they are in this tomb. So that's where we are. And then finally, we hear these words in verse 6 that <coughs> are so exciting. And we hear the young man, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they have laid him. And so he, he recognizes, first of all, they're afraid. And he says to them, you don't need to be afraid. I'm not going to harm you. This is actually a good news story. Do not be afraid. And then he says, I know you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, the one who was crucified. They had seen Christ crucified. He was dead. We might say dead as a doornail. That's, that's where Jesus was. And the angel, the young man, recognizes that. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified. But he is risen, the NIV text says. Or better yet, the NRSV, he has been raised. Jesus does not raise himself, but the Father works on his behalf. He has been raised. It's known as the divine passive. God working on Christ's uh, part and working on our part. He has been raised. He is not here. Look. And so we have this repetition, staccato style of the young man speaking to the women. You're looking for Jesus. But he has been raised. Look, he is not here. So that is the message. And the message for us on this Easter Sunday, we begin with by we do not have to live our lives in fear. We, we, we often rush there. We go there. We feel insecure. We, we feel we have to manage it all on ourselves. And we 
live in fear. But the angel is saying to them and to us, we do not have to be afraid. The best thing that could ever happen has already happened in Jesus. He has been raised. And we'll know a little later that because he has been raised, we will be raised through faith. So it's a good news story. And that is the message of Easter Sunday for us, that he has been raised. And because he has been raised, we will be raised. We can live in hope and purpose and confidence in God. And so the angel says the message And then he gives them a job to do. And we see that in verse 7 that follows that what Jesus wants you to do is go and meet him in Galilee. Go tell his disciples what's happened. And then let them know that Christ will meet them in Galilee and that they will see him. And so Mark, perhaps, there's a bit of an illusion here from moving from darkness to sight. You don't see him right now. We haven't really seen him as he really is up to this point, but you will see him. They will see him. A movement from darkness to light, they will see him. So a commission is given. Even as a commission is given to us, that we are called to announce the good word of Jesus and of the gospel, of life in Christ, to live that and speak those words and share that with others. So that message and that commission is given to the women. And they are to report to the disciples that Jesus will meet them in Galilee. And Galilee, in one way, can be understood as our own Galilee. Our own Galilee is our our own area where we live, our, our own geography, our own space, our own heart and mind, and our own relationships, our own dynamic to live our faith in our own Galilee, to live in such a way that God is honored and his kingdom is is revealed, as we've seen. So a commission is given. So that brings us through to the end of verse 7. So preparation for the anointing, and then the message from the young man dressed in white, And now we come to verse 8, the the end, the response, what what, what will happen? What we anticipate and what we hope for is that the women will, will be excited about that, be enthusiastic about that, and go indeed, go to the disciples, share the good news, and they can all head off to Galilee. That's what we want. But in verse 8, we see that that isn't what takes place. Note, so they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The disciples had been afraid. And now the women are also caught up in their own fear. And so once again, we we have this underlining theme of how we hold on to our fears and our insecurities. How oftentimes we even prefer them. In some ways, we like to stay stuck behind our our own stone, you know, our own barriers, our own tombs. We at least can, we know what that's about. We don't, we, we don't always want to move behind it and beyond it. And so they remain stuck, at least for the moment. And they hold on to their fears. We're hoping for more. And, and, and we trust and we believe and know that as we hear 
the end of all the Gospels and then move into Acts that they indeed move into this place of faith and trust as they also themselves see Jesus. But we can be stuck in that place of fear. Sorry, though, leads us on beyond that, that we are to be like the, the ones who finally come to faith and say yes and live for God and Christ in love, in our relationships and in our dynamics. So to move beyond fear into love. So as we end then, we, this is Easter Sunday. So will we embrace our hope? Will we embrace what God is saying to us? He is risen, and we say he is risen indeed. So may we say yes to him. May we live that reality out in our own lives, and the best way to do that is to do so in love. It's interesting that the first command in the Old Testament is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And in the New Testament, when Jesus is asked by a lawyer, what is the greatest command? He repeats the same thing. We are to love God and our neighbor as ourselves. So love God, love each other. It's the same first command in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And in John 13, Jesus says, I have a new command for you. And it's a reiteration even deeper. I want you to love one another. So love is the first command in the Old Testament, the first command in the New Testament, and the way that we live out the resurrection experience is to live in love. Loving God with our heart, soul, and mind, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. That's the best way. And to do that, we need to spend time with Jesus every day. There's the old adage, out of sight, out of mind. And we, and we know that with people, out of sight, out of mind. If you don't see someone for the longest time, you start forgetting. And you know, unfortunately, it's the same even with God. If we're not meeting with God regularly, it still applies. Out of sight, out of mind. And we are invited to live the resurrection story by meeting with him each day cementing our love relationship with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, all three persons of the Trinity. Love, love, love. Love the Father, love the Son, love the Holy Spirit. So that we can live out this resurrection faith. And so as we end, we say, with the angel, he is risen. And we say, he is risen indeed. And then because of that truth, we go forth and live in love with one another so that God's kingdom might be realized. So where you are, where you're, you're touching your reality, that's where you need to show love. And where I'm touching mine, I need to show love. May we do that in the Trinitarian name of our Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, we remember together. Amen.